This podcast was created as a part of Podcast Lab by India Film Project in association with Anchor by Spotify. I think for me writing is something that is both fun and therapeutic. Like if you want to be a writer you should enjoy doing it and you should be having fun with the entire process because it can be fun of course it's work but it's also something that's very enjoyable if you're doing it in a style that's true to yourself and for me writing is a form of play which means that uh it's kind of like a game for me like i have these ideas i have these events i have um these thoughts these feelings that i'm trying to like string together and it feels a little bit like putting a puzzle together right you have all these pieces they're not in order uh, but you know that they're going to fit together and that they're going to make a picture at the end of it and how you do that how you organize that there's no one way to do it there's no one process to do it uh, but it is in itself a very rewarding journey and i think that's what writing is to me but it's also at another level very therapeutic when it comes to good uh, i mean when it comes to storytelling right i think uh, we hear stories all the time but i think we just don't recognize them as stories so the essence of good conversation is storytelling i'm sure we all have that one friend who has the best stories right so when you meet them for dinner you're completely in splits because they're telling you the, these things and it could be like very mundane things but it's just the way that they tell it to you right like uh the way that they were watering the plants and had to deal with the weeds or you know i don't know like it's it could be something very everydayish but it comes out beautifully so then i think there is a certain alchemy where you turn this mundane event into something uh to be noticed and you're able to sort of evoke certain feelings you're able to make people laugh you're able to um communicate in a completely different language with them and i think as writers we feel this pressure of uh oh i should have a very original idea i need to have a story that's unique that's never been told before at least i felt that pressure you know that uh oh what if someone has already written it then like no like you know people won't enjoy what i wrote because you know they've already seen it uh but then I've been doing this like one year program at Ashoka University called the Young India Fellowship and uh there we had a course on Shakespeare and the biggest takeaway for me from that course is there is no original story so we literally traced the origins of Romeo and Juliet and the adaptations uh, of that play as well and then you realize that it's everywhere and you can tell the same story again and again and again uh in different versions and they all sort of stick with you uh they all have a certain power to move you right and i think that's the beauty of storytelling that you can tell the same story in different ways um and it still has that like grip over you Hey everyone, welcome to the Closet Writer Chronicles. 
I'm your host Sangeeta, aka the Moody Marshmallow. You just heard our guest for today, Samyukta Vibhu. Samyukta is a financial planner and advisor at iThought Advisory, and she's previously been associated with Goldman Sachs. She is also an avid reader and writer who occasionally blogs and has written articles for independent publications. She is currently pursuing the Young India Fellowship at Ashoka University. On today's episode, we chat about books, films, writing, and financial literacy, and we get to know Samyukta, aka Sam, a little better. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Closet Rider Chronicles. I have with me this week Samyukta Vibhu, better known as Sam. Welcome to the show, Sam. So good to have you here. Hi, Sangeeta. So good to be here, finally. Yeah, I know. We've been having a lot of back and forth on dates and I'm so glad we we're finally doing this. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to this. Like, I think even when you started... Um, this on Instagram and you had like different people put up the poetry or whatever they were writing. Um, it came across as a really cool idea because I feel there's this whole mass of like closet writers right, yeah. who are just like writing and not acknowledging the fact that they're writers or it's like this sort of like hidden talent and you're like, oh, I didn't know that about you. So I feel like this is a great space for some of us to come out and uh, show ourselves. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm hoping so. And I'm so glad that, you know, you were one of the first few people on the Instagram series and now we're having this conversation. So um, on that note, kind of to dive right in and talking about writing and creativity, what is your earliest memory of, you know, writing? And, you know, when did you realize that this is something you enjoyed doing? Uh, I think my earliest memory was that... Uh, like during the weekends, I would go to my mom's mom's place. And uh, that used to be like a weekly ritual, right? So Saturday, Sunday, I would spend at my grandmom's house. And uh, I had this fascination for paper. So they would keep like paper for me to like, uh, either write or draw or like, you know, I was very determined at like age five that I was going to be an artist when I grew up. Uh, (laughs) So this was like my weekend thing. And I remember writing stories and then I would like enact them into plays for my grandparents. So I think that's probably like my earliest memory of writing. Uh, But then I think maybe a couple of years after that, like uh, as a birthday gift, someone gave me one of those diaries, which you could lock. So I felt like very grown up and like, Mm -hmm. oh, I have this whole secret life that no (laughs) one knows about. And I think that's when I started writing regularly. And then it just kind of stayed. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think journaling and I think keeping a diary is a thing for so many people. I've never managed to keep a diary. (laughs) I've never managed to be consistent with it. But I have started maintaining a gratitude journal, which has been interesting. Um, But yeah, that's really cool that you've kept a diary. Do you still keep a diary, if I may ask? Yeah, I do. Like I still journal. But uh, like you said, like I can't do it every day. Yeah. Um, it seems too intense and I don't have such an interesting life that I can actually do four hours every day, right? Uh, but yeah, it's nice. Like, I think that's a space where, like, I put down, like, ideas, um, 
thoughts i think stuff that's bothering me like it's good to yeah. get it out of your system so i think it helps in that sense uh but actually i've been like bullet journaling and i've been doing yeah. this thing called the artist's way so okay. both of those things together is what i'm following this year that's really interesting yeah i think journaling is quite can be really uh, therapeutic and cathartic if you really get into it because i've heard from so many people and i've been enjoying the process of keeping a gratitude journal but yeah let's see how that goes um but yeah kind of getting into that note so okay you started writing with obviously keeping a diary and journaling and what not but i also know you do enjoy writing uh, fiction and short stories and you've blogged a bit on that as well um so you know i feel like every writer has like this one story or maybe even a couple of stories that kind of stay with them and sort of even inspire them to write you know and create what are those stories for you they can be i mean anything books films tv shows you know were there any such stories that impacted you and stayed with you oh definitely like i mean i could actually go on and on about this but i will keep it <laughs> like short uh, to a few things so if we're talking about books uh i think maybe 3 4 years back i read this book called the shadow of the wind and okay. it's by this spanish author called carlos ruiz zafon Okay. and literally like when i was reading that book the only feeling that i had was oh my god i want to write like this like i want to be wow. able to write a sentence that sounds as beautiful as what he writes and like i was obviously reading a translated version because i don't know spanish and i'm like i can't believe that even through translation it reads so well yeah um, so like kudos to the translator obviously because that's a tough job but also you can hear the author's voice right and uh that's a book that i would recommend to everybody who likes books like okay. reading um it's really it's really wonderful and it's part of like a set of four books unfortunately carlos ruiz zafon passed away a couple of years ago um so i'm very like i haven't read any of the other books because i'm just saving them for like a rainy day cuz i know that there's not going to be like more of his works out there in the world right so yeah um that's as far as uh no i think another book that i would think that really changed me was bird by bird by ann lamott okay uh, so that's also sort of like a love letter to writing and okay. uh i think that changed a lot of these notions that i had about what it was to be a writer because you just think that good writing comes right. uh, naturally or you know at least that's the impression that i had that like either you're born a writer or you're not and it's yeah. not really like a craft right but that's not true like um or i think that book gave me that perspective that that's just a very warped idea and writing is like any other work right like yeah. you may be terrible at it but you just have to work at it and then you get better true and uh so i think those two were like really important books but movies like i love the prestige ooh like, that's a good movie yeah yeah it's just uh it's a great story um there's another movie which is very similar to the prestige which also i love um it's called the illusionist and i think okay. in a certain sense like while this is an unpopular opinion i do think the illusionist is a better movie oh okay i've not watched it so i can't comment <laughs> 
So yeah, you I will sure, watch The sure. Illusionist and uh, let you know about that. Uh, if uh, listeners have any comments on this, please let us know. Write in and let us know which is a better film, The Illusionist versus The Prestige. Uh, you can tell us. We'll have a poll on this. But yeah, yes, please click. Please click The Illusionist. Oh my god. But yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. I think you know when you spoke about translations, um, and I very recently started reading translations, like last year during lockdown. Um, I but I, I reading translations more by South Asian writers, uh, and oh, wow. even even like globally. Um, I think one book that recently I read, which is a translated work, is by this Indonesian uh, writer. Uh, it's this book called The Wandering by Intan Parmadeta. She's an Indonesian writer. And it's okay. a choose-your-own-adventure book. So it was, first of all, I was just mind-blown the fact that there was a book written like that in Indonesian. And then, you know, it was translated into English. And that's what I read because I can't read Indonesian. <laughs> but just the fact that, you know, someone did wrote something like that was just phenomenal. And I was going through a really bad reading slump and that book really like helped me get out of it. Um, for those who are interested, it's a book about um, this Indonesian, it, The fem- it's a female protagonist, she's Indonesian. And as you know, most choose your own adventure books are written in second person. So it's about this lady who gets a pair of red shoes from the devil and she can choose where to go with it. And you choose like as you go, like where you want to go with the shoes. So it's it's really- oh my god, I want to read this book now. Yeah, <laughs> you should. Really- you should. It's it's it's. A, I I thought it was really mind blowing just for the fact that she talks about issues like immigration and you know like racism and like being a minority going to another country and how she feels like an outsider in her own culture and it's it's really fascinating I thought and the writing style I think is just incredible so yeah go read the book Uh, I will uh, stop uh, you know fangirling about this book now (laughs) but yeah like as you as you know like I think just writers and stories have that impact and um yeah, it's it's great that, you know, you're reading translated work, which I think is amazing. And I think more people should, uh, for sure. But on that note, do you think, um, you know, with the whole content thing, and I think more and more writers coming up right now, uh, thanks to social media and just the power of technology, how important do you think it is to be a reader, to be a writer? I think you definitely, um, I think you have to read at a certain level hmm. because uh, there's no way to be a writer, right? I mean, you can't do a course and then you don't become a writer like that. Yeah. So a lot of writing is through observation. Hmm. And like, it's kind of like, you know, how previously you used to have oral traditions where you taught things and you learn uh, from other people. Like, I think the way to learn from other people in writing is to actually just read, right? You see good writing, you're observant about what makes it good. Is it the rhythm? Is it the choice of words? How are they describing certain things? Uh, how are they conveying certain emotions, right? Like, I think when you look at film, you can clearly see a person's, like, uh, face or understand their expressions, and that's a certain kind of language, but you don't have that in writing, right? Mm. And uh, the way a screenplay is written is very different from the way a book is written. Right. So whatever kind of writer you want to be, like, for example, like in your screenplays, you can't have thoughts written there, right? Like, 
it just doesn't translate and if you've seen like movies versus books like that debate is about how you're actually able to like bridge both of those worlds right because it may be the same story but like you have to deliver it in two completely different ways uh so you do have to read but that being said i don't think it's a hard stop like if you still want to write and you don't want to read you are going to miss out on some fantastic resources that would help you grow yeah but like i said a lot of writing is about being observant understanding how people are or yeah. having like an imagination or being able to see the potential of a story so if you are able to really like hone that craft without reading from other people and then being able to write your own uh, pieces that's possible like i wouldn't shut that door and say it's impossible to be a writer without being a reader yeah. but it definitely makes it much easier if you are a reader because i mean it's a wonderful thing to do anyway yeah, yeah. it's true no i i completely agree because when i feel like i have a very hybrid opinion on this that you know i feel like anyone can write but i think if you want to take writing seriously and you really want to like improve and work on yourself i think reading is one of the best things you can do because just the fact that you're exposed to so many different styles of writing so many kinds of writing and so many voices and it kind of helps you find your own voice just kind of you know absorbing all this kind of information and you know content which exactly. and it, it's it's yeah it's a it's a beautiful thing to do to read i think any reader will agree that i think what reading can do for someone is just incredible you're just transported to different worlds to different ideas different characters and the way i think these writers think is also just it's because you get like different world views also which is incredible um and you know kind of just to pivot from what you said since you we were talking about like you know books and films what is your opinion on book to screen adaptations that's been happening a lot actually recently now i mean it's always been there but i feel like it's been happening more now yeah uh to be honest i don't watch that many movies oh okay or, because for me uh, like i've been working for a while i mean this is like my break here but uh it was always like a direct trade off right like when you come home in the evening what is that thing that you want to do to like unwind do you want to read do you want to watch something uh on tv like whether it's on netflix or like a movie or whatever so i feel like that has uh kind of like pushed me or nudged me towards reading especially yeah. because like i'm generally like using a screen at work mm mm-hmm. and then i kind of want something different when i come home right so that like separation helps uh but i think that we are getting better and better with like screen adaptations so okay. i remember feeling very like outraged as a kid when they made the harry potter movie <laughs> like oh you didn't stick to the book here you deviated from the book there and we like how could you do that that's sacrilegious but um i think now maybe i've also changed like it's not just about how people are perceiving books but i do feel like you're able to convey a lot more on film than you were previously mm. um and some adaptations were some don't but yeah that's okay like i i can't blanket say the book was better every time <laughs> yeah i can only say the book was different yeah but, yeah. <laughs> yeah because i think books are like you can essentially because every reader interprets it differently whereas i feel like film or a tv show or web series is like such a fixed interpretation because it's by one person right it's the director or writer of that show 
of film yeah. and you're looking at their interpretation of it and it's like oh this is not how i imagined it when i read the book so i think there's always that internal conflict but yeah i think harry potter is a big one i've gotten there was another guest i was talking to uh, indra reddy and she was like you know it would have worked so much better if it was like a tv series which i think would be great i think if anyone's listening they should actually make it a web show cuz there's so much they can take from the books and like adapt yeah, it properly yeah i think that's Uh, I think that's what they're doing with Wheel of Time, right? Because yeah. that series is just like, uh, I mean, I didn't even flow through it. Like, I think I made it through like four or five books, and then I was like, oh, this is a <laughs> lot to pack in. But it's good writing. It's like, oh, uh, you have great characters, and yeah. I think it's just like a very intricate like story arc as well. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, but you're right that. that is probably going to work really well as a tv series because there's so much that you can show and there's so Definitely. much that you can take away and having that as like episodes um makes a lot of difference yeah because i think i mean even just what they tried to do with lemony snickets um you know series of right. unfortunate events and now lord of the rings is coming out with a tv i mean the films itself are incredibly long and now they're doing like a full on web show with it which i think will be very interesting uh, to watch but yeah it's it's definitely an interesting space i think today with book to screen adaptations uh, especially with more and more source material being books that are being converted to screen plays now um it's yeah. it's definitely exciting and i think it's more opportunities for writers for sure uh in that space yeah. um but yeah i think you know kind of shifting gears a little bit and talking about your actual day job because i know you work in finance which is i know when a lot of people hear this it's like wait how, how do you do a corporate job like finance and then get into something creative like writing or balance the two because i know yeah. there's always this like conflict or like uh, of opinion over there with you know uh, backgrounds like this but i find it really fascinating that you are in finance and you're in finance by choice it's not like you're there like because you don't have a choice you're very much there because you enjoy the subject which i think is like super uh, which i find super curious and which is what i want to ask about how did you decide to you know get into finance and how did that pan out for you okay so like i think my decision making was very random and i have to like attribute some of this to luck okay um, <laughs> because i had no interest in sort of like being in finance okay like to be oh, honest okay. like i i studied science in school i was pretty sure that you know i was going to be a scientist when i grew up um i didn't want to be an engineer that much i was very sure <laughs> but then when i got to college i kind of realized that amongst all the sciences i really like math the most and so i ended up studying math right and i think during my first year of college i met a bunch of like uh seniors from like economics and they had gone for this like internship with goldman sachs okay. and they were just like very adamant that i apply when it's time to apply and i was like you know but i don't know anything about money uh i only know about like the subprime mortgage crisis and that does not paint like a very good picture about what you're proposing to me right uh so then i interned with goldman uh, i got a full time job and at that point like i was still very confused about what to do next and i think this okay. is pretty much every 20 year old goes through right like when you're in that last year of like your undergrad you're kind of like oh what do i do next should i get a job should i study 
but I was very like non-committal about a lot of things and I was like I'll just go wherever things take <laughs> me <laughs> and then uh, after about like a year of working at Goldman like the thing that kind of like was nagging at me a little bit was that of course like now I was earning money and all of that but I just didn't know what to do with it right okay. and uh, I didn't even want to like really like look at my taxes or acknowledge that these were things that <laughs> I needed to be responsible about yeah uh, and I would just like sort of outsource everything to my dad and then I'm like you know come on you're 21 like you can't behave like this uh, so uh, that's when I found the job that I'm at now which is uh, like basically I'm an investment advisor so I got into this thing of like okay at least learn for yourself like that was where I was sort of starting out like be a little responsible this is an important like adult life skill that right. you need to know uh, and then I didn't expect to enjoy it like to be honest like I just thought that you know I'm not really a finance person I was like really really scared of like doing anything with my money like I would just leave it in my bank account and be like you can be here <laughs> I as long as I see you it's good um, but then I think like as I got into it I realized that that's a very normal reaction that most people have you are a little bit afraid of making decisions with your money but at the same time it's important that you get over that fear you get out of your shell and look at doing things and that you're going to need money for a lot of things that you want to do in your life right Right. Um, and I think there like I started building a better relationship with my personal finances okay. and then I and then like you know I was also working with clients and then I understood that okay this is how other people feel about certain things these are the things that you need to watch out for these are the kind of like pitfalls that you have and surprisingly a lot of it is not very technical right it's very personal there's a lot of behavior there's a lot of psychology and I think understanding those elements as much as understanding how markets work, how, okay. um, you know, what kind of investments to choose, how you should structure your portfolio. Those are important questions too, but like you need to sort of marry both of those ideologies. Oh, that's, you know, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. And I, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think a lot of people see it that way because I think the minute you mentioned finance or money, there's a lot of fear, I think, a lot of people have yeah, this definitely. subject, you know, when the subject comes up and it's like, oh, okay. But, you know, talking about that because I know financial literacy is something you're very like, you, you're you quite passionate about and I've seen you really advocate uh, uh, about it, definitely. you know, in, in so many places. But what is the biggest or what are some of the biggest misconceptions you see that people have about, you know, finance and money? And how do you think like people can make themselves more aware, you know, how can they improve their own financial literacy? And like, especially if you're starting out and you're a beginner, you know, what are some things you can recommend? Okay, so I think firstly, um, uh, if you're starting out, like you should know that you have to pay tax. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're salaried, like figure that out, like you will have a session with like your, which your HR person organizes. So attend that. If you don't understand, like ask questions, ask a billion questions, make sure that they really simplify it for you and that you get what's happening. Uh, so know that I think you should also have your emergency fund, your rainy day fund, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, just in case you want to switch jobs, just in case, uh, you have a big expense that you didn't plan for whatever it is like I think that's the most basic form of savings and most of us have it right like you just save money and you keep it in your bank 
and then of course buy insurance and then you start investments so like this is like the basic progression that everyone should do so understand how much tax you're paying whether you're paying tax whether there's something that you can do like if you're starting out there might be a possibility where you don't even have to pay tax right, right. depending on your income right. uh then you get into like your emergency fund and then you get your insurance and then you start your investment so like once you finish all the other like foundational stuff that's when you start investing but i feel a lot of people start at investments and then kind of work backwards to all of these things and okay. you can tell that in their financial stories there is a little bit of a weaker foundation there'll be a little bit of wobbling um so like broadly if you follow these steps you should be fine uh choosing investments can be tough because it requires time it requires patience and it requires definitely expertise uh so if you have all of those resources at your disposition then go ahead and like find out what your investment style is and then take that forward by yourself but if you don't like don't hold back or don't uh sort of think that okay i'll do it by myself uh and then not give it the attention and the time that it deserves right uh just work with an advisor work with a professional uh someone who fits into your budget someone who uh, you trust like those are the most like important factors right that you would look out for because at the end of the day like not doing a good job of that is going to cost you on your portfolio and you might as well like spend that money on fees right so it's just one of those trade offs so be smart about that is what i would say i think um you had also asked me like what are the biggest like misconceptions yeah like, yeah i feel i had a lot of the big misconceptions so i think my first thing was that like it's really hard it's really scary and i'm going to make a lot of mistakes yeah. uh and i think if you have the right like ecosystem around you you can avoid those big mistakes okay. and today uh, i think a lot more people are financially literate and at least like the generation above us has made like mistakes so they will tell you that oh you know like i made these decisions that didn't turn out so well so like maybe you shouldn't do that uh so i feel like finding uh the right people is much easier because there's so like like you said like even for writing like there's so much like social media information yeah. i mean there is misinformation as well yeah. but i think like you can find professionals you can find people who know what they're talking about who are willing to help who are very professional in the way that they're doing things mm-hmm. so that kind of opens up a lot of space for you to avoid making the big, big mistakes and the earlier you get into this system of being more financially responsible uh the longer it's going to work for you right? right no for sure but are there any like resources you'd recommend like for people to i don't know read or say like articles newsletters or even podcasts or books which i think would be like great for someone who's just like really scared and doesn't know where to start with understanding you know the basics of finance oh definitely like um so i really love uh like monica halan okay so she used to write for live mint okay uh, and i she's got this book called let's talk money Okay. Uh, and that's like curated to an indian audience because there are a lot of really great books out there but i feel like they're all written like with like the us in mind hmm. and 
then a lot of it doesn't apply or like for somebody who's not familiar with all of the technical terms like it might just seem like what are they talking about and that can be kind of off putting but this book is like available online everywhere um then i like this american author called um morgan hauser okay so he's written this book called the psychology of money oh, which i think okay. is like a fantastic read like um you go, like pretty much everything he writes like i am a huge fan of mm. and it's very interesting because it's not um like you said right like a lot of people have this mis- misconception that if you are in finance maybe you can't be a writer you can't be creative or uh, your job requires you to have a certain personality which prevents you from writing yeah um, but that's not really true like especially if you read his work you're going to 100% uh, sort of believe that people in finance can be writers and then uh, like someone who even like breaks another stereotype and i love his newsletters is matt levine okay so he writes this daily almost daily sort of newsletter called money stuff okay right? uh, and he's like he's like an investment banker and a lawyer i mean he's neither of those things anymore but like those are his <laughs> qualifications yeah and he gives you like financial news mostly like from the us but he's hilarious so like if you think that oh if you're a, you're in finance and you're a writer and so that writing is probably really serious and i'm never going to like have like a moment of joy reading it like read matt levine's newspaper uh, newsletter it's like you will like every day i laugh when i read it it is slightly more i think you need to be in the loop of what's happening in the world right. to really enjoy it but i think even if you're not like the way he describes things or the way he describes people and like incidents it's just great so that's like a fun one maybe it won't really help you in your own investments oh uh, because everything that he says is definitely not investment advice <laughs> yeah no but i think just to kind of make people you know comfortable with the whole uh, subject of finance because i think that's the biggest thing right for most people because there's so much fear and i think that fear comes from like oh my god what are these terms like i don't understand them i think obviously just having that starting point of like okay this isn't as daunting and scary as i've made it out to be in my head because i think that's like the primary thing a lot of people have because it's like the first mental block is i'm not going to get it it's too hard like it, it's not for me this is too much of Definitely. effort so i think just getting over that is the first step and i think you're right the fact that there's so much of information out there today with regards to financial literacy i think just kind of figuring out like oh okay i'm identifying with this content and it's really helping me kind of understand stuff and i think just making you comfortable enough to ask people questions and you know find that ecosystem for yourself that okay this is where i can go if i have an issue so that's very important because financial literacy is something that is super important today and i think everyone needs to kind of start you know if you haven't started you know um that getting that awareness i think you can take that first step it's it's fine like you know if you don't know as long as you're making the effort you're already like ahead of the curve in terms of understanding and being more aware for sure 
um but yeah i think just the fact that you spoke about you know people in finance or like serious day jobs who can't be creative which is such a myth um i really wonder you know like the, is there anything then from your financial career that you then implement in your creative pursuits is there something from like your day job that actually influences your writing or kind of you know there's something you've learned from there that's helped with your writing or other creative pursuits Yeah I feel like I've had this really big like mindset shift you mm. know like one thing that I've learned is to think long term right. you know like I think when we were like in school and college people would ask you oh what's your five year plan mm. and it seemed like such a like cheesy and like you know why would you plan five years ahead sort of question and I never really had like a good answer to that but then I think like once you start working with people and you realize that okay like you know they have responsibilities in life they have this house they want to pay off the loan they have kids they need to send them to college or like you know you want to retire then you kind of are forced to think about like 5 years down the line 10 years down the line like right. that becomes like a natural sort of thought process and I feel like having done that like having been a financial planner and an investment advisor like thinking about those things for different people then it's naturally come into my life as well right mm. if i want to be a writer like you know mm. if i want to be published then you don't just end up at published <laughs> right like yeah. there's a whole whole journey that right. takes you there so like really being able to recognize that in between like where you are and where you want to be there are a lot of like milestones that you need to cross so right. understanding that anything that you aspire for has mm. like sub steps Right. Definitely. So I think that was sort of like a big uh, takeaway from work, and the other thing is compounding, right? Like, so I think I've been investing for more than five years now, and okay, I'm kind of like seeing that show up in a right way. And I don't think like if I had taken any other career choice, like that I would have had this experience. So the idea behind compounding is that you do a little bit but you do it consistently and you do it uh, over a long period of time and that works for writing too like you need to do just a little bit but you need to show up every day like you can't expect to get better yeah. without showing up yeah. uh, and i think that is another thing like any habit that you want to build or anything that you want to like really grow it's all through compounding it's like a little bit yeah. but it becomes a lot like over time right no i completely agree and i think this is again a conversation i've had with um, a lot of the guests on the show where you know people are like you need to consistently show up every day and like you know practice and do your bit because like you said the results only show over a period of time because you keep doing it and you keep getting better um so like i completely resonate and agree with that but you know having said that then is there anything from say um writing or being creative that you've then implemented into finance the other way around as well has that happened yeah definitely like uh, so actually like i was kind of also heading like our communication and digital media like okay. while i was at i thought um and so like i've written a lot of blogs about like different things uh we had like a news uh newsletter that we would send out like i think even the more technical aspects of the market like i have tried to like make it more accessible for other mm. people um give them like 
insights into what's happening in the industry, why certain people are like thinking certain ways. Um, I think kind of translating a lot of that jargon into something that people can actually read. Hmm. Because when I started, like, I think that's what I found overwhelming, right? Hmm. Like there were all these terms that I had like no exposure to. And it just kind of felt like I don't really understand what's happening because they will use the same uh, word for like different things. They will use different words to describe the same thing. And then like, unless you're an insider, you kind of feel really left out. Uh, But then you realize that things don't have to be so complicated. Like people are just used to talking about it in a certain way and they take it for granted that you also understand. And I think that's where this whole thing of like finance is hard Mm. comes from, right? Like, oh, like I don't understand because you've probably tried to read like a newspaper or an annual report or like a business thing. And then you're just like, I don't understand anything. And then you kind of feel like, okay, I probably will never understand any of these things. Uh, but that's not true like you will just give it time yeah no for sure I I completely agree I think just it's like with writing right I think it's just taking that first step even with your financial literacy and being aware as you just need to take that first step as scary as it might seem and it's only then when you gradually go ahead you realize that oh it's it's not as bad as I made it out to be in my head I mean of course you might have like you know these like stumbling blocks or whatever but I think you, I mean, you'll get through it for sure. Everyone has their own learning curve with this. So yeah, um, if you're a listener who's not started your financial literacy journey yet, now might be the time to start. It's really not that bad, guys. You can take it from two people who've been really scared of numbers. (laughs) Okay, so uh, really just go for it for sure. Um, But yeah, kind of, again, you know, shifting gears, um, you know, so you have been in finance and you said you're on a gap year. And um, this is something I mentioned in your intro as well, that you're now currently in the Young India Fellowship Program at Ashoka University, which is like this really cool multidisciplinary program, um, which a lot of people, I think, in their 20s or even college students, I think, end up taking. Um, can you tell us what exactly the program is and how you've been benefiting from it and what your journey has been like with YIF? Okay, interesting question. Uh, so the YIF is like a one-year liberal arts program and it's structured in such a way that you get exposed to different subjects that you would not really um, have access to in most of your undergrad courses, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, at least for me, like like I mentioned, I studied math, I got to study a little bit of physics, one course in like economics, and one course in biology but that was pretty much it like otherwise I was in this like domain of like math and computer science and I didn't really get to like explore other things um, but I feel like uh, this course allows you to get a taste of many different subjects so like I've had a course on literature I've had a course on history I've had courses on sociology uh, I had a really interesting like computer science political um science sort of intersection course so like I think that way you get exposed to a lot of things within this one year but it's like each class is like pretty short like it's four to six weeks so in that sense uh you don't spend a lot of time on something but you get this sort of like gateway like bird's eye view of like what that particular field opens out into yeah. And I think that is 
really helpful if you don't know what you want to pursue because i mean of course like it doesn't mean you have uh, clarity at the end of that like you might just be interested in a lot of things um so that's like broadly like the structure of the yf uh, you also get to meet like really interesting people um so i've made like a few really good friends at the yf and they're all much younger than me like you said like this is broadly like a course uh, i think like our average um, age group is like 23 um so most of the people who are in the course are like between 21 to 25 and then you have of course people who are older as well but uh they're much younger than me so i don't know how i would have met them like if i didn't go to the yf and i'm really glad that i made those friendships um but yeah like that's broadly like what the yf is and i think a lot of people want to get in uh to the program because it kind of opens up all of these other like academic experiences that you could right. have um so i think like i joined the yf because uh, one of my friends recommended it to me like a few years back uh, and that was right about the time that i had started this job as like a financial planner and like working in the investment advisory space and i was just not expecting to enjoy it so much but then like i realized that i really love what i was doing and that this is kind of like what i wanted to do for a while and i felt like just as i was sort of understanding and being able to navigate this world was when like the yf came into the picture of my life right and so and i knew i had time because you can apply i think until you're like 28 so i didn't want to do it like right away uh, but then it was one of those things that you just are like oh i won't do it now i won't do it now and mm-hmm. then you kind of realize that okay maybe you should you're running out of time and you should possibly like pursue it and i think um, they also had like a critical writing program which seemed interesting at that point and i think given all of that i felt like it would be like an interesting thing to pursue okay. because at least for a year like i had been looking at different masters programs uh, nothing really clicked for me the way that the yif did okay uh, because i think my interests are very broad so i didn't really want to like specialize into anything and i've done like different like professional qualifications for work so it didn't really make too much sense to like pursue like see a degree in like finance or like an mba or something like that um but it's been an interesting year because i think like while i came in for the writing program um i kind of realized that okay this is not something that you would want to pick up in a classroom mm-hmm. like uh, writing is something that um requires a different sort of environment right it's a lot of like experimenting it's a lot of reading like like we discussed <laughs> observing kind of and showing up at the table every day to write uh, yeah. so that's been something that i have been working on i think that revelation only came to me like after joining the program mm-hmm. that this is something that i need to work on on my own like i can have a support system i can have the ecosystem i have certain tools obviously to help me through all of this but at the end of the day like it's only about putting in the work right and then getting back from peers or from friends and then sort of working on that so yeah it's been interesting like i feel it's a bit difficult to like go back to college like after working <laughs> for so long um uh, but it, yeah i'm getting used to it like i feel like i have a lot more time on my hands now because i felt like work was very demanding and the course like i think some people do find it challenging but like it's manageable for me so like yeah. i'm having it's like a very relaxed year <laughs> 
No, that's great. I mean, the fact that you are, you're kind of learning and still being productive, but you're also like enjoying the process of it. I think that's the most important thing that, you know, you are having fun while also getting what you need out of it. That's, that's amazing. Uh, And more power to you, Sam, for like doing all these really cool things, you know, being in finance, writing, and now YIF, it's, uh, it's all amazing. Um, And yeah, now we're kind of coming towards the end of this interview. And we always end with these last two questions. Um, So the first one being, you know, what are your aspirations? Could be anything you're looking forward to in the near or even, you know, distant future. Like what is something you're looking forward to? Okay, I'm definitely looking forward to going back to work. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you must be the first person to say that I'm looking forward to get back to my job. I think this is the classic example of you should love what you do, even if it's finance. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I feel uh, people are going to judge me for that answer, but that is definitely something that I'm looking forward to. I miss like, it's weird, but like, you know, I think the first couple of months into the program, I was like, I miss going to office. (laughs) I miss doing this. Uh, But yeah, uh, that's one thing. Uh, I've been like also kind of trying to start a newsletter. um, And I uh, applied for like Substack Go, which is like a four-week course with uh, Substack where they kind of teach you how to use the platform, you sort of network with other writers and you get together. Uh, So I applied to that. I don't know how that's going to work out, like whether they'll select me because it's like obviously like a selective process and they have a limited number of seats. Uh, but let's see. So maybe if that pans out, then I'll be doing that. Uh, but I'm definitely with or without Substack Go, like I am doing the newsletter. That's um, cool. And I will let you know once I start that. Yes, um, you should. Yeah. And I think probably in my life, my big dream is that uh, someday I write a graphic novel. Uh, and it would be fun yeah like that's that would the be really big fun. dream yeah yeah I, I would definitely love to uh, read that graphic novel for sure uh, if you give me a chance to edit it I'll be very happy to sit in on the edit if not anything you already know that <laughs> the editor's role is for you oh great you heard it here on the podcast first guys if Sam does not give me this job <laughs> I have proof <laughs> no no but yeah. um no, on a serious note, I, I'm really I, looking forward to reading what you uh, churn out with the newsletter and, you know, with the graphic novel, because I have read some of your work and you write really well. And it, it's very interesting. I love that you have such a fun imagination, so to speak, because I've read some of your stories. I'm going to hear some of it you know, at the end of this episode. But yeah, more power to you, Sam. Really looking forward to all that you're going to, you know, come out with. Um, and yeah, Thank last question. <laughs> and yeah, last question. Um, what is a piece of advice or learning you know you'd like to share with people? Uh, can be professional, creative, or even you know personally something you've learned and you just wish that people were more aware of in life. Hmm. I think the only piece of advice that I would give people is to sort of just do different things, right, mm-hmm. and stick with them, because. I feel like everything that you do has like a learning curve. Hmm. Meaning the initial parts may not be enjoyable unless you already knew that you were interested in doing something, right? Uh, but then it gets fun after hmm. a point. Uh, like, for example, I have like two left feet uh, hmm. and I decided <laughs> I will go to dance class, right? Um, and it was just like something 
that i felt like okay you need to do this because you've been like inside your comfort zone you only do things that you like to do and that's all great but like once in a while you should do things that you're not comfortable doing and see mm-hmm. how that feels and i think i was fumbling around a lot and i didn't really enjoy it initially and i kind of felt like i was making a fool out of myself and like kudos to my class actually because they were like super supportive and uh, non judgmental and it felt like a great place to be but then like you know within a couple of months i was having a lot of fun and i was like i can't believe i didn't think of doing this earlier and i feel a lot of us have these inhibitions right about things that oh i'm not good at cooking or i'm not good at this or i'm not good at that and i won't try it because i'm not good at it and i probably yeah. will never enjoy it but uh, do it like do yeah. things that you don't think that you would enjoy because i think if you don't enjoy it then it kind of helps you appreciate the things that you do enjoy true and if you do enjoy it then like good good for you man you found something else yeah no i i think that's a lovely piece of advice and it's something i very uh, strongly resonate with i think it's having that constant beginners mindset of you know being okay with trying something and see and just being really open to it you know without any expectation of okay let's genuinely see let's try something and see if this is something i actually like or not and if it's something i enjoy doing um which i think is a great way to be and i think too many people expect instant success or gratification when they try something which is not how it should be i think you should just enjoy the process of learning and truly seeing if you're liking it or not so completely agree with that piece of advice Uh, for yeah. sure but Definitely. yeah but yeah on that note we have now come to the end of this interview thank you so much for being here sam i'm so glad we did this a uh, lot of useful information on financial literacy but also loved hearing about you know what you're doing and what you're planning to do in the future can't wait to see that graphic novel come out and yeah thank you so much for being <laughs> here i hope you had fun I had an amazing time. Like I'm I'm super happy that we did this because I know we've been talking about it for a couple of months and like we've just been going back and forth because of ourselves uh but it's good to see that it finally materialized and I had a lot of fun and I can't wait to hear like the other people who are on this as well. Um uh, see you but, soon. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you so much for being here. So that was my conversation with Samyukta Vibhu. I really learned a lot about getting started with finance and investments and I really enjoyed chatting about books, films and different resources on financial literacy. Closing this episode with a story written and narrated by Samyukta. I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll see you next week with a new guest and a new chronicle to share. Talk soon. So I'm going to read a piece which ties back to what we were talking about right at the beginning uh which is like this intersection of writing storytelling and creativity right um the piece that I'm going to read is called Count von Emeraldin and the Mystic Law and the way I was able to sort of bring these elements together was that uh the inspiration for this story was actually uh from like my instagram account so i had posted a story where i asked people to drop in like a word that they were thinking about or anything that just came to their mind 
and then i used all of those words to sort of construct this story and it was a super fun experience for me because the kind of things that come in are so diverse like you really have no idea how to tie them in uh but then you find a way to do it and then it feels like a lot of fun and then i think even for the reader to sort of like go in and see like where their word fits into this story um is like a journey in itself anyway i hope you have fun listening to this or reading it later uh here we go count von emerilden paced up and down from the corner of his eyes he caught a pair of air jordans shuffling away he spent a moment searching for that triangular splat of michael jordan until he spotted it on the tongue of the shoe he preferred it when jordan made an appearance on the heel tab two months ago he had celebrated a birthday but today he felt a year older age was catching up with him he defeatedly admitted to the shedding what difference did a royal line make if he was going to look patchy and bald in his old age unfortunately the baldness was the least of his problems horrific memories of the previous week flooded his mind he had reasoned it out perfectly but somehow they had managed to dupe him he distinctly overheard the pudgy poacher say we'll do a surprise shipment this week count von emerilden was no stranger to logical deduction in fact every day it was his sharp critical thinking that helped him nab the bad guys he reasoned that the surprise shipment couldn't happen on sunday because everybody including the strange cargo people took sunday off and it couldn't happen on a saturday because by friday night they would know that the surprise shipment was happening on saturday and it would no longer be a surprise so if it couldn't happen on saturday by the same logic it couldn't take place on friday and if it wasn't scheduled for friday it certainly wouldn't be a surprise on thursday and through rigorous backward induction count von emerilden concluded that there would be no surprise shipment that week unfortunately the porter smuggled two baby civet cats on wednesday out of this very airport the audacity his peers sneered only the senile count could arrive at such a silly conclusion serendipity sympathized they have been friends for many years now solving crimes side by side her ears pricked with patience as she listened to him howl and bark how could he have been wrong would he ever get a fresh start and then she simply said you've been fooled by the surprise test paradox before she could explain further her obsequious handler sara came by she had been scratching serendipity's ears and rolled her on her back serendipity delighted in the pampering but the count couldn't stand it a dog should have more dignity he insisted then sara cupped his cheeks in her hands why are you looking so glum she asked with exaggerated disappointment the count maintained his poker face there's somebody want a treat she offered in a shrill voice the count secretly prayed that old age deafness and senility got to him before sara did this cheerful woman had to be stopped 
it was criminal to have such a broad smile in the in their line of business she frequently flashed her pearly whites and let out loud laughter that caused the ringlets framing her round face to wobble how would people look up to a giggling woman and believe that she was a crime fighter serendipity begged to differ laughing didn't diminish being a badass she purred like a satisfied cat it was too much work the count could take it no more he let out a disgruntled bark serendipity shot him a dark look